Hello and welcome to episode number 11 of the Coffee with Joffrey podcast. I do have a guest today, I'm not flying solo. So before I let uh, Georgie introduce herself, I'll just give a little bit of a background. So I always find that there's a lot of really, really good coaches out there, nutrition coaches, fitness coaches, um, delivering you know, the right message. And I mean, you could go into the depths of the internet and once you get past all of the, you know, the, the stuff, the fancy stuff that doesn't really work, you can get down and you can actually research and find out the right ways of getting fitter, getting healthier with your exercise and nutrition. Like I said, we're all trying to promote the same message, but the way that we do it, there might be slightly different methods. And I think it's as simple as you might buy into someone a little bit more than someone else. So for example, you know, I'm 29 guy, you know, fairly fit, healthy, still acts like a 18 year old when I get on the beers. And, you know, my message to someone might be completely different to how you perceive it from Georgie. So I think it's important to get around and that's why I like doing these podcasts, find out a little bit more, but you saw the title, getting to the bottom of emotional eating and understanding your cravings. And that's what Georgie is specialist in. So welcome, Georgie. Thank you. We're going to have some fun on this today. All right. So do you want to just give the guys a little bit about yourself? So just introduce yourself. Absolutely. So my name is Georgina and I am nutrition coach and owner at The Inside Works. I am Dubai based, but my business is online primarily, so I cover pretty much worldwide. So I work with women who have got to a stage in their life where they're just fed up and they've got low self-esteem, poor body image. They are struggling with weight loss, but they're looking for something more than that. They're just not entirely sure how to go about it. So these women are frustrated, turning in circles, um, going on plans, off plans, and just going backwards and forwards. So I work with these women to help them understand what's happening in their life, their underlying eating habits, and how much they are affecting them. And we work together to create sustainable change so that they can really achieve more than weight loss, happiness in their body and happiness in their mind, um, which is incredibly important. Yeah, awesome. And I, I think just the fact that you're a specialist in the area, obviously, you know, you've been doing this a long time, your background in terms of fitness and nutrition and things like that. You've obviously got a huge amount of experience, personal experience and working with clients as well. Do you think that nutrition is as simple as, you know, the message that's, that everyone's aware of now, you know, calories in versus calories out and making sure that you consume in less calories in your burning kind of thing? Yes, on the face of it. Yeah. But when you are dealing with people, and I'm going to talk about women in my case because that's who I work with. Perfect. Um, and emotions and lifestyle and the stresses of life, day in, day out, it just isn't simple as eating less. Yeah. There's so many things that affect that. And I'll use myself as, as an example uh, because I was my client so I was someone who's incredibly self-disciplined, had a great job, uh, would go to the gym, train. You could have given me a diet plan and I would have followed it. And I got to a stage where I lost weight, but just couldn't sustain it because things got in the way. Yeah. And it used to bug me beyond belief as to why I couldn't get results. And this is what I hear from a lot of my clients is that I have a great job. Um, you know, I've got a great family. I am seemingly very successful. So why the hell can I not just do this thing when, you know, the media and whoever else is saying it's very simple, just getting that energy deficit. So you have to consider, 
you know, your food relationship. And if you think about it, from since when you very first started eating, you developed a relationship with food. Yeah. And that isn't going to just disappear or stop in a matter of weeks or just simply because you want it. So many different factors to consider. You know, we are very, very complicated people. I mean, we'll get into that. And I know just from speaking to you before, obviously we, we did a talk over at the weekend as well. Um, and just some of the, the practical examples that you can give and it really makes you think and it really kind of resonates with, with me and I'm sure it's going to resonate with a lot of people here that you can go and, you know, take what you're saying now and apply it. And just simple things like I know you say about actually before you do something, before you go and snack on something or open the fridge or choose to eat something, just take a second to actually think about why you're doing it. Yeah, and I think the, the thing is, we are all on autopilot. No one really stops to think about why they're eating or what their triggers are or why they're behaving in a certain way. We just do. Um, and food is used in so many different ways as comfort, as stress relief. You know, we're tired, we're fed up, or we're just simply on this autopilot, putting food in our mouths. Um, and it's important to really slow that down and understand how you work, I believe, in order to get true results. Um, it isn't simply a case of stopping eating. If you're a very rational eater, of which, I don't know, there yeah. are, do you know many rational eaters? There, there are some yeah. where you can simply say, do this, and it's more of a food educational thing, and they take that information and then they I'll be honest, it. and it might be controversial, but guys are generally a little bit better at that. Yeah, and you will find that often it's the husband or the partner who's saying, I don't get it, just put the biscuits down or just (laughs) don't eat it or whatever. And I know there's some guys who are emotional eaters as well, but yeah, it is, um, I would probably say, more of a female thing. So it's important to understand why you are eating. And one of the major things I go through with my clients is tuning back into that kind of eating for hunger and understanding, you know, eating you know for fullness so you're not stuffing your face because food is in front of you um, and having that ability to really connect with what your mind is telling you in that moment it's very powerful stuff once you tune into it yeah all right let's get into the nitty-gritty of then what happened yesterday and over the over the weekend what did happen yeah I think yeah. I, I, cho- I had chocolate for lunch on Sunday, I think. I had it for breakfast with a coffee. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> learning, learning to <laughs> And I didn't stop at balance. half the shell as I kind of intended to. It was the whole lot was gone, which is fine. So I guess that's a good, it's a good place to kind of, you know, talk about then in terms of craving around sugary snacks like that and even just the environment that's created. Like, if it's there, you're going to eat it kind of thing. I'm yeah. definitely one of those people. And I think as well, come back, I'm going to divert. So yeah, come back to that point. Of course is that it's all about what you're, how you react to certain situations. So, for example, if you go and you... I'm gonna, let's use Easter eggs. You eat your Easter egg, and then you eat it, you're happy, you enjoyed it, it was delicious, you may have just had way too much sugar, but you're fine with it, and you continue your day. Um, that's great. That mindset is great. If you eat the Easter egg, and you can't taste it, because halfway through you're like, oh, God, I shouldn't be doing this. This is... Oh, my God, I've ruined everything. I've messed up my goals... And then you eat it and you think, oh God, I feel disgusted and guilty and all this stuff. And then that has a knock-on effect to how you treat your body essentially moving forward. Then those are two very different things. So when I say to people, start enjoying food and eating it, um, that has to be done without the guilt and the shame attached to that. 
yeah. which is a process. So are, are people allowed to enjoy themselves over Easter then? Are they going to ruin their goals? You know, your, oh my co- God. your coaching uh, well, clients, will you get an email saying, oh, you know. I have got emails. I've got loads of emails and pictures as well of all these eggs that have been demolished. But And this is the great thing because once you get into that mindset of understanding that it's just a food, you know, and your reaction to it is everything that matters. It's what you're telling yourself that becomes where it becomes a little bit shady. Um... It's really liberating to be able to actually eat food occasionally, you know, yeah. in abundance yeah. and have periods of your life where you're going to overeat and eat too much and accept it for what it is rather than feeling crap about it. I was it. laughing at some of your stories on Instagram leading up to Easter about struggling to try and find the egg that you wanted to eat or the chocolates that you wanted to yeah, eat. Yeah, I was gutted. Seriously. That's and actually, my, my little darling two-year-old did swap her egg oh no bribery. well it wasn't really bribery I just kind of stole it off her but then someone got me one so I had two buttons eggs um, but I feel no guilt for that <laughs> <laughs> you're sick <laughs> um, alright so one of the things that you mentioned before and this again this goes back to like the environment and just growing up with food as a reward as something that you use you know just day to day life um, I picked up on a point that, you meant, that I've heard you mention before about when you're growing up, you're conditioned to have three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, two snacks. And I remember even as a fitness professional, you know, the whole like metabolism and making sure that you keep your metabolism, like whether whether we know the truth or that or not, you know, I'll be honest with you, like a lot of people will use the metabolism to try and confuse you. Um, But is there any, you know, what, what does that go back to? Is that simply the fact that as a kid, you're told to have breakfast, lunch and dinner? Yeah, I think so. And obviously the waste side of things as well, where back in the day we lived in the world of, um, well, not necessarily us, but our parents lived in the world of food um, scarcity. And now we live in a world of food abundance, but we still use the, you know, food of scarcity. So that's an interesting... um, Picking off your kids' plates and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, you you know, I think there was uh, obviously a lack of education about eating and it was a case of yeah breakfast lunch and dinner I don't think the snacks were necessarily a thing back then but those obviously come into play with the metabolism story which Fast was created story, by man. the snack industry to sell more products um, which Amazing. is a big bugbear of mine but it isn't unreal that the amount of people who do still believe they need to be eating two to three hours and that's through no fault of their own because there's still professionals out there that are giving that advice um, so it's what do you believe but yeah, I guess, I guess like the, the eating two to three hours would work for someone who doesn't need to, who has the flexibility through their day to be able to do that. They don't like feeling really full after yeah, like a big absolutely. meal. So, you know, there yeah. is relevance to it. We're not just saying it's not important, but it's, you know. It's, for... Yeah, it's important to, to listen to what works for you. And I think the problem, and we go back to your, you know, getting to a calories in, calories out, is that if you see someone who is, eating breakfast for the sake of it and that boils down to 600 calories and then they're having their lunch and then their dinner and then snacks are no longer an apple they're, they're a muffin or they're you know a bar or something like the high protein absolutely. snacks that are packed full of calories that people will get absolutely sold yeah um then obviously you're got you're not going to hit that energy deficit so it's important to understand how that would work when you were not eating through genuine hunger yeah. or through a the thought process that you are, you know, you, I have to be eating. And it's interesting with my clients who are, who comes to the realisation that it's like, oh my God, I've been eating breaks for 40 years, I don't even enjoy it. Yeah. So. All right, then what about like 
this whole term of like good and bad food and healthy and my unhealthy. biggest bugbear there we go here we go it riles me and it, and it, and it, with food manufacturing now you see a lot of the uh health i'll call them health products but the guilt-free aisle which i saw when i went back to england which kind of blew my mind a little bit and have you not yeah, they were, it was just full of... I'd imagine it's just got the word protein everywhere. There was protein marshmallows, I think. Oh, God. <laughs> Sugar marshmallows. There was um, lots of products, all claiming to be healthy. And this is... How long have we got? This is a whole podcast in itself, but... This is how people are conditioned to think. This is good, this is bad. So therefore, if I eat this chocolate that I think is bad or it's not on the health pedestal, then what are you saying to yourself, really? You may not think about it, but you're kind of creating this mental trauma towards food and your body. Yeah. Um, there is no good and bad food. You know, food has no moral value in itself. There's some that obviously is more, you know, nutritionally beneficial, but... I always try and say to people, like, Good and, good and bad food doesn't exist, but if it did, it's good food if you like it, it's bad food if you don't like it. Yeah. So if you don't like it, then it's not yeah. it's bad food, right? Yeah. But if there's something that you really like, if, for example, you know, I like to eat pizza, you can make pizza work, no matter how many calories it's got, whatever your kind of favourite pizza is, you can make that work within your lifestyle, but you need to learn how to do that. Yeah. You can't just hear me say it now and go, oh, pizza's okay, or read online that flexible dieting is the way forward, and then just go and try and apply it. You need to, like, fully understand it. And just that whole thing of, like, like you said, we could do a whole podcast on good and bad foods. But, it's, again, it's just, I guess it's a form of just trying to missell people, right, isn't it? Yeah, but then it's also interesting, if you think about it, if food is used so much as a reward, so you'll hear people making uh, justifications about why they need to have a Thursday night takeaway because they've survived a week or a bottle of wine or whatever. Yeah. So they... they use the word treat and then they're using those bad foods to treat themselves it doesn't make particular sense so i encourage all my clients to understand firstly why they do believe some foods are good and bad i think some of it as well is the rise of the healthy type orthorexia things going on on instagram where everything is healthy so people believe that that is the only way they're ever going to achieve results is by, you know, these bowls of stuff in the morning that yeah. no one particularly wants to eat. Yeah. So it's got to be realistic, you know, and it's just trying to break down those barriers because people have had these beliefs for a long time. You know, if you hear it now, it's like if you hear people talking to children, they're like, no, don't have that, it's unhealthy, it's bad for you. But then it's been fed as a reward. So it's very interesting where that mentality comes from. Oh, yeah. When you think of it that way, yeah. there's, there's a whole, like, whole lot of psychological reasons yeah. that people would do stuff. And yeah. no, I completely understand that. All right, then. So I guess like emotional eating, like cravings, is there anything other than, than like environment that stands out? Like I always give, um, you know, I'm very much someone that if it's in the house, there'll be at least one point in the day where my motivation is wavering and maybe I, my blood sugar is a little bit lower and I need to go and crave and I'll go into the kitchen. I always joke about like Grace will have some on the side and I'll eat the whole thing. You know, is there anything else are other than... Are you an than, emotional eater? I think I am. Yeah, you I are. Think, this is kind of like our meeting now. You guys are listening, <laughs> to, therapy, my, you guys are listening to my therapy <laughs> session here. Um, like, is there other things that, you, that really stand out other than like environment and... You know, not shopping when you're hungry and all that. Kind yeah, of stuff. I mean, uh, cravings cover a whole like there's just a, the, the ma- a massive spectrum of how much 
this could affect you. So yeah, it could be something as simple as being sat at home and thinking about something that you want to enjoy eating. Um, it could be, you know, stress in people's life, hormones, hormones are ridiculous, you know. And if you say to someone who's having hormonal cravings to just distract themselves or, eat you know, eat a, have a herbal tea, they're going to laugh in your face. It's yeah. just not even something you can negotiate with. So it totally depends the level of cravings that people are going through. And also how your brain is wired. So it's really interesting if you look at the um, where cravings come from, the associations with your brain and things like sight and smell, and this is where food manufacturers are incredibly clever, is they can trigger something in you to think about a certain food, and you have no knowledge of that. It's all happening you know, in your subconscious. So later on you might be like, I really fancy a pizza for dinner, we need to have a pizza, because of something you saw hours ago prior, or a smell or something. It's incredibly powerful um, cravings. And I think it's really good to recognize that it's not about willpower um women love to beat themselves up over pretty much everything and for women who really struggle with cravings and emotional eating they become very down on themselves they feel very alone um that they're the only ones having to deal with this but they're they're really not and it's a normal normal reaction to try and comfort yourself with food and that can come from many different places so sometimes it's very relatively easy to fix by just being more aware of what's happening like you yeah. you know you know if it's around you're going to probably want to eat it yeah. um and then there was someone who on the other side may you know suffer from this where it's not doesn't just stop at a biscuit or you know it's happening daily and it's really affecting their self-esteem and their results i think it just comes back down to again and i like i like the example you use about being hormonal and once you get to that point there's no kind of turning back but you know, what really works is, I guess, being prepared as well. And it, like, that's not sexy, is it? When you tell someone, hey, you just need to prepare. So, you know, a trigger of going to the cinema is like a trigger of going and having some cup porn nachos and, you know, yeah. a big fizzy drink and things like that. You know, like Starbucks, you walk in there and you're only going in to get a coffee, but then you see this cake and you see all these things. And they're there on purpose, right? Because they're there to upsell you into something that you're not necessarily craving right then. But then just being tell someone to be prepared and hey take some snacks with you yeah. on the plane when yeah, you get on boring. there like, it's boring <laughs> it's not sexy, but that's kind of like the stuff that yeah. works as well and it's, it's it's like saying someone don't have it in the house i mean that's my best piece of advice people and everyone's like are you joking me like really but you like, have no, the, don't have it in the house yeah, but you have the battle obviously like with children as well like if your children are, i don't know if you specifically but people will have children have you know snacks and things like that that but there is a, a thing where if, if you have food in the house that you don't, this won't make me popular, but you don't want to eat, someone in your house is going to eat it. A loved one of yours is going to eat it or you're going to eat it. Yeah. So I know once you go down a certain path with children, it's hard to come back from that. No. But best you're almost advice, like doing a disservice, right? Yeah, the best advice is just to not... Or, or have very limited... You don't... If, if you've got a craving and you open the cupboards and it's stuffed with crisps and biscuits and whatever, you're going to eat those things. Yeah. Of course you are. If you can kind of delay that process a little bit more, then you've got a better chance of dealing with it. But yeah, preparation is also key. This is going back to what we were talking about earlier, but it's kind of like the same message as well, like parents eating off kids' plates as well. Like I've had clients before who, who... track their food i'm tracking everything you know I, I even track my sauces and the milk i have in my teas and coffees i track everything i'm staying under my calories you know i'm hitting my protein target all this kind of stuff and then we i go well is there anything else like well you know i'll, I'll pick some pasta off my kids plate when they're finished and like 
we actually we just went through it and we went well let's work out how much that could potentially be how many times do you pick off it what type of food is it oh it's pasta you know it's with a tomato sauce okay how many bites do you have well normally four or five okay well you know that could be equal to 80 100 150 calories that you're not like thinking about that's yeah. going into your body as well so again that kind of going back to that yeah. food wastage thing i guess but it also that is a very much a mindless thing and i <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i'm guilty myself on occasion um of just picking up the plate and eating as you go towards the sink that there's no thought to that <laughs> yeah it is just totally on autopilot so it's always boils back to kind of being aware of what's going on in you know in your world and just trying to slow it down a little bit because people don't even think about it they're like god why did i do it why did i do it but they don't think as to how they can stop doing that or what was the catalyst to doing that yeah okay all right we've got through quite a lot today um have you got i always like to just try and give people who are listening to this if they've got this far we might have bored them already but they've got this far just some practical advice that they could almost did you just say got this far this is the most interesting podcast yeah (laughs) (laughs) we'll see um let's have you got any like practical advice that someone could take away now um and start to apply you know they're in their car now they're on the way to work or they're you know just about to go and have their breakfast anything that you can think of there may or may not be the best thing i would say is um just going back to what i said a second ago is just asking yourself why you are eating a certain food is it habit is it hunger is it cravings stress boredom whatever because if you are eating through a need other than hunger which is obviously going to happen at times but you're doing that on repeat then you're not addressing the problem that is sat there you're just compounding it with something else so and it's something people can just do in their head. You know, why am I eating this? You don't need to go away particularly and do any homework on it. Um, and it's pretty powerful. There's a book. I can't remember what it's called. Maybe I'll put it in the links as well. And it literally talks about what you've just said there. Let me see if I can find it now. It's, it's all about stopping just before you do something. It doesn't have to just be related to food. Yeah, there's quite a few. And ideas. saying, and you literally count down from five. And apparently the, let me see if I can find it. The idea of you counting down from five... Um, oh I know what it is yeah I know what it is someone said it to me the other day it's uh, Melanie yeah yeah I'll, I'll put it in the notes anyway I can't remember what the name is but you literally count down from five seconds and then you four three two one and then hopefully that would have come out of your mind then the, the thought or the thing that you're actually yes. about to do yeah but it is it's any anything you can use to distract yourself and to slow it down and it doesn't matter if you then go on to eat it's not just about fixing the problem there and then it is about building that awareness and that takes time Perfect. Awesome. It's been great speaking with you anyway. And obviously we did the, probably something that we're going to try and do again, like a talk if, for, for those that are in Dubai, you know, using our skills and trying to reach out to the people that are going to, I guess, adhere to our message and people buying. We had uh, Coach Rob, who's been on one of the podcasts before as well. And we had a really good talk down at Brambles, some really good food. And I think that's something that we're going to try and push on a little bit more as well. Would be good. Yeah. Spread mm-hmm. our knowledge. But um, where can we find you? Instagram. Um, I am at the Inside Works. If I'll tag that in. If you're female, I have a great little private Facebook group, the Inside Works Ladies Club. With all the top secrets. All the grit. Yeah. Yep. And I'll probably be doing my next online program in May. Perfect. Fingers crossed. Well, I'll, put, I'll tag you in the uh, in the post so people can follow you. But once again, thanks for for joining me for the podcast. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>